people. This is the Bon Appetit Foodcast, and I am Adam Rappaport. All right, this week we have Molly Boz on to talk about fish. For those of us, you know, who are interested in cooking more fish at home but don't really know what the heck we are doing. She tells us how to shop for it, how to thaw the frozen stuff, and much, much more. And after that, our resident drinks expert, Alex Delaney, is back on to give us some more cocktails he's making as the weather is finally getting cooler and crisper. All right, here we go. Boz, the first thing you said to me when I said that I'm not like the best fish maker at home, I don't really know what I'm doing, you said slow and low. Low and slow. Low and slow. Oh, God, I got that wrong. <laughs> how, did I, how did I screw that up? I don't know. It doesn't sound right. Um, yeah, I think that people are intimidated by cooking fish at home. I'm intimidated by it mostly because I live in a small apartment and the thought of like frying a fish or using hot oil pan method stovetop and then there's like fish juices splattering everywhere and then it's like it smells all night that's just so undesirable and And so you you wake up the next morning and you're like the house smells a little fishy it's you don't want your apartment to smell fishy like ever i think that that deters people from cooking fish at home but a method that we use a lot here at ba and that i use all the time at home is the low and slow method which is cooking the fish in some sort of a baking dish or a cast iron skillet at about 300 degrees in the oven super gently just until it sort of like flakes apart and it's a bit of a misnomer because the oven is low but it's actually not a very slow process it takes depending on the size of your fillet of fish anywhere from 12 to 25 minutes so let's talk all right so i'm interested let's give me a couple of examples of types of fish that i can buy that this would work well with? So salmon is a great option, um, especially because a lot of people like to eat salmon sort of like medium, Mm -hmm. medium rare even. Um, And so it's a great method if you're not super comfortable with temping fish and you're worried about overcooking them. What does temping fish mean? Uh, Like gauging the inside temperature and knowing like when is it medium when is it medium rare oh, is and that what they say in professional kitchens yeah i used to be the fish cook at pichelin i don't know if you knew that wow pichelin yeah going way back terrence, yeah. terrence brennan <laughs> uh-huh up a west side he called me fish. a shoemaker so that really was cool. what does yeah. that mean like just like scum of the earth wow shoemaker i've never heard of like well first of all shoemakers like didn't what didn't wasn't daniel day lewis being a shoemaker for a while i mean it was offensive on all fronts <laughs> But yeah, whenever I did something wrong, I was a shoemaker. So anyway. An unusual insult. Okay. But all right, let's say this. Not a huge salmon guy. I can do this with white fish? Yeah. So that's the other sort of category of fish that's great for the low and slow method. So cod, haddock, pollock, halibut. And I want to buy a big piece. Yes. So whole it's like skin on on one side. Or skin off. If you can. You can get it either way. And then am I sort of like bathing it in olive oil or what am I seasoning it with? How do I zhuzh it up? So you could do it as simply as just season it with salt, drizzle it generously in olive oil. You don't want it to dry out or the outside to get dry. So be generous with the oil. But that also gives you a lot of flexibility. So you could then whisk a lot of things into that oil and sort of make a marinade. So I have a recipe on BA.com from a while ago for a slow roasted harissa salmon Hmm. so whisking a couple tablespoons of harissa and i think maybe there's like a little bit of garlic or citrus juice in there and drizzling that over the salmon you could go in like a sambal ginger and garlic direction uh you could do 
thinly sliced citrus and smashed garlic peels, but just making sure that the fish is well coated in that oil to sort of protect it from the heat in the oven. So some sort of oil and then some version of some aromatics, whether yeah. you're leaning more Mediterranean or perhaps a little more Asian or North African. Yeah, they're going to spend, you know, 15, 20, 30 minutes together, so you might as well make the most of it. I think my friend Rue used to, he loved to do a version where he would get like a big monkfish steak, steak, I guess, piece, piece of monkfish, filet of monkfish. And then in the oven, chop up a bunch of potatoes, maybe some onions, and put a make a bed of those. Mm-hmm. Put the fillet on top of those, bunch of olive oil and salt, mm. and then roast that in the oven. And then the potatoes and the onions were cooked by the time the. That's what I'm trying to think, was... right? Maybe he started the potatoes, onions first, and Sounds then put like and then put the meat in. Yeah, which is totally fine. And actually, I think the recipe that we have in the September issue of Bon Appetit magazine. Mm. Um, is for a recipe where you start these roasted bell peppers first in the oven. So bell peppers are uh, another thing that loves to be cooked low and slow. And so you sort of jumpstart their cooking in the oven in the same pan that you eventually place a filet of flaky white fish on top of it. It's like a one pot. So it's okay to give something a head start. Totally. All right. So yeah, whether it's roasted peppers, potatoes, onions, those sort of things, maybe some fennel. Fennel would be nice. Sure. That'd be great. A little roasted fennel action. Some beans. Throw some beans in there. No, what? Yeah, no. like. What do you mean? Like, if you're going in like a Mediterranean direction, you've got like smashed garlic and lemon peel, and maybe use some olives, and then you throw in a can of white beans, and it's all kind of like mingling in there. Hmm. Okay, I guess so. Yeah. I mean, I I do like beans. <laughs> okay, so, all right. I like this notion: low and slow, sort of taking a bath, like a warm bath, like a jacuzzi, an olive oil jacuzzi. We should rename it "low and not so slow." The Ooh, low so, and not so slow okay. method. Okay, 15 minutes. Boom. Yeah, boom. That's quick. Make a salad. You're good to go. Yeah. Um, one thing, a lot of things that sort of give me pause about cooking fish at home, one of the biggest things is buying of the fish. Because I'll be like at Whole Foods or something. I go to the fish counter. I'm just like, eh, it just looks mm. kind of sad. Yeah. Well, Here's the thing. If you don't have access, obviously the best option is to go to a fish shop. Yeah. And you can see when fish looks good. It's shiny. It's glossy. It's like firm. The good thing about Whole Foods, I will say, is that the there's such high volume there that you yeah. know that the turnover okay. rate. Good point. Good point. I just particularly like the salmon there. I'm always a little underwhelmed by. Yeah. Honestly, I don't love to buy fish from a non-fish specific place. Um, do you have one near you? Yeah, I do. I have Greenpoint Fish and Lobster. Okay. So I would rather probably not eat fish than buy it from a supermarket if yeah. I'm a little it's, like skeeved by it. Especially if it's like a styrofoam thing. Yeah. But apparently I'm allowed to buy frozen fish. Yeah. So the thinking here is that if you can't get access to freshly caught fish or you're landlocked, then the fish that's actually the freshest for you is fish that's been frozen immediately upon being caught and hasn't thawed and you buy it frozen and flash you, frozen is yeah. that the fr- is that the lingo i, I think i, I think that's the lingo they use like in the fishing industry is that like a thing though because well, I, I also think they ha- always talk about that with the tuna when they catch like the giant tunas off the I coast guess it's or just wherever like super 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 cold deep freeze like wham it freezes it as fast as they can and the, those tunas they're like really big, you know, 100 pound ones or wherever we see like at Skiji fish market. And then when people are bidding on them for 50 grand or something, I mean, yeah. they're still frozen. Yeah, right. Because 
they would deteriorate if yeah. they would and then those are bought to the best sushi places in the world so yeah it is that immediate like deep cryogenic freeze it's not right. actually cryogenic but it's like cryogenic so that's actually better than going to the counter at a grocery store where they've thawed this fish already and so it's like looks like it's fresh and it's out on ice but actually like maybe they thawed it two days ago so you're not actually yeah. getting the freshest catch so we have a photo in the magazine this is it october yes october september issue. september no. oh, september you're right with those amazing pork chops on the cover yeah, not saucy. seafood saucy glossy pork chops companies like lumi island wild and alaska home pack will ship sustainable, high-quality frozen seafood to your door. And the, the vacuum-sealed packs of, like, really gorgeous-looking deep orange salmon and, like, is that halibut right there with, like, the bloodline running through it? Like, super white, um, gorgeous shrimp and whatnot. You can just tell, again, like, you look at it, and it's like, yes, it's frozen, but you know it was caught peak season, if that's a phrase in fishing, maybe. Maybe it's a phrase up there in Atlanta. Atlanta. Yeah, maybe it's a phrase. Season. Maybe it's a phrase up there in Alaska. Um, so yeah, and then you're just taking it home and you're defrosting it? Yeah, and I think in the case of these um, cryovacked frozen fish, it's really easy to defrost them because you can just drop that entire thing into a bowl of like cool water and let them thaw. So we say cool, you just mean like room temp? Yeah, I mean, it will take forever if you put it in ice cold water because they're frozen. Yes. But, but you I wouldn't but put you, them in warm water. No, because then that goes from the outside in. Yeah. Yeah. You wouldn't want the outside to start to get like mealy and like ever so slightly cooked. So that's a great option. But also, as we're talking about sourcing and what to buy in the issue, we talk about how there's the Monterey Bay Aquarium Seafood Watch list and they have an app and they have a website and you can download the most current list of like the best seafood to buy in terms of sustainability and also just like humane practices in fishing and farming. So Monterey Bay Aquarium. Yeah, look that up. And I think that's something we're all trying to sort of keep up on and it changes and it moves around and it's not easy to keep track of. So this is literally something that is useful to have when you're at the store. Um, talk about branching out. And so like, all right, you got low and slow, slow and low, low and slow, low and slow. Low yeah. and not so slow. Low and not so slow. We got the frozen option. I like that. Emil Stonic, who wrote this package, he loves squid. He's always trying to sell me on squid. But I that's get actually it. a pretty easy thing to buy, especially you can buy it already cleaned yeah. or frozen and defrost it. And you're literally, whether you're making like calamari or just grilling it, yeah. is that pretty sort of simple protein. You're not dealing with bones and skin and all that sort of stuff. It's like, boom, eat it. Yeah. I think, I guess, you know, there obviously you can cook with squid, you can stew it into pasta sauces and things, but I feel like it's best grilled or fried. Like those are kind of the most like delicious, easy, foolproof ways to cook it. So throw it on the grill with like, toss it in a little garlic oil. Yeah, I like, high a, heat. I like a high heat. Like I, I want to char or I want to fry it. I don't like it when it's kind of like just- Bouncy. Bouncy and boiled almost tasting. Like, yeah. yeah. You know what I like? What do you like? And I had this the other week at the Hot 10 dinner at Feast Portland um, mm. in Oregon. Uh, Nick from Hearts um, did the famous uh, clam toast oh, so good. that they do at Hearts in Brooklyn, which was on our top 10 list a few years back. I love clams. I think they're super easy. And what's amazing about them, they come packed with like the juicy liqueur, liquor, 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 clam liquor, clam liquor. 
they're durable. Mm-hmm. Um, you can find them a lot of places. Um, I do. I mean, I make a rugged bungalow. You Plus. do? Is it different? How does it differ from BA's Best? Um, it's better. And why do we not have the recipe on the site? And well, is that it, our next cause, video? Because, you know, we could make a video out of it. I think Bungalay, <laughs> have we done a, a Bungalay video? Yeah, Claire has done BA's Best at, like years ago. But, <sighs> yeah. I mean, that's not yours. She's, she's from St. Louis. Yeah, what does she know? No, God, stick to pastries. <laughs> no, I, I, well, I know. I think, like, I do think with something like Bungalay, as the clams are opening up, they're releasing their liquids. You got the oil and the garlic going. You got some white wine in there. And then you're taking out the clams as they open. I do think with like a lot of pastas, you're then adding the pasta back in. And it is kind of like you're feeling it. It's like, do I need some more pasta water? I will personally throw in a little butter. Oh, definitely. Apparently, Simone, my wife, mentioned that to Ignacio Matos, the chef, and he gave her the stink eye. What? Like, he did not approve. So what, olive oil only? Yeah, I think olive oil. Well, there's that, I think there's that whole family, like, even sure. Italian, some will put butter, others, like, no way, that's ridiculous. Sure, but I mean, it's clams. Um, I like some good, some red chili flakes in there. Do you know what I like? And then a lot of fresh parsley at the end. Yes. Have you ever made linguine with clams, but used uh, dry vermouth instead of white wine? Oh, nice. I would, t- I would totally do that. It's I, so good. I do like that making a cream sauce with dry vermouth, mm-hmm. like when you're doing chicken or something. Big dry vermouth fan, which is a wine. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I really like them with dry vermouth, and especially if you start them in, a, like, start a little bit of bacon in the pan. I mean. And then do the dry vermouth, and then the clam. Clams, bacon, dry vermouth, parsley. Come on. Well, it's not delight. What do you, what do you think about... Some like the old school red sauce joints, like Rayo's up in Harlem, they'll do the clam pasta where they like take the clams out of the shell and chop it up and then toss it into a sauce. Yeah, I don't. The thing that skeeves me about that is I'm like, is that coming out of a can or like is that fresh? Because I can't tell because the shells are gone. Yeah, you want that sort of proof of purchase. Yeah, I mean, I trust Rayo's. They do a good job up there, and they yeah, they're. They're not hurting for business. I think that I think they're getting good claims, but I do I, I want to see them. Although what does what I don't, which I think is BS. I remember like years ago when Oto opened in New York, and when you get the clam pizza, which was made famous by like Frank Pepe's and stuff up in New Haven, they were doing the clam pizza in the shell on the pizza. And I'm like, like, I don't that I don't have no, time for. No time yeah. for that. But I think it's part of the ritual with the spaghetti, but also or linguine. It's nice because you can kind of use the clam shell as the spoon and twirl, twirl. into the shell. Yes. But like, there's no use for that with the pizza. And then I like the the, the little bowl in the middle where you're discarding your, your shells. Oh, so anyways, um, but what Nick at uh, Hearts does, um, they do that amazing clam toast. So you're basically, you've got your big saute pan full of clams. I imagine there's white wine and garlic and chilies and all that stuff in fennel. there. It's fennel and it's bubbling away and it's saucy and it's fragrant and briny. And then they take big chunks of like good a big loaf of sourdough bread, country bread, rustic bread or whatever, and crisp it up in a pan with a lot of olive oil. So it's like beautifully browned and crunchy like a giant crouton. And then just yeah. spoon, spoon those clams all over it. And the giant like raft of like crispy golden brown bread absorbs the juices. The oh clams are falling off. And oh you're just God. like, I need that. That right is now. so good. And you know what? The recipe apparently Emma just told me is on bonappetit.com. It is. Yeah. So that's an alternative to linguine with clams yeah. i mean it's the same thing just like put it on bread fried bread yeah fried bread i mean what's better than that i think we're going to call it clam clam toast is that what clam we're calling toast, it yeah. yeah on bon appetit do we need it you know what we need do you ever make shrimp toast homemade a good like homemade shrimp toast is so good like in what sense in the sense like the kind of the more old school 
Chinese style with the white bread. Like I know Gabrielle Hamilton was doing it for a while at, uh, per, at Prune, and it was really tasty. And it's kind of the chopped up shrimp. Apparently, we also have a recipe for that in Bon Appetit. Right, I, and it's, it's I, on. It's on like uh, almost like sandwich bread. Yeah, and it like gets and it all just becomes like one. Yeah. Ooh, yum. So good. Didn't um, Mr. Jews did that at our Hot Ten party? Was that oh. last year? That was like one of the things they Two served. Two years ago. At the party. Ugh, it was so good. I was too busy not eating. Oh, I always eat at that party. I never eat. And then Gotta go the, early. And then eat. I'm starving and it's 10, 8, 10 p.m. And I, I mean, last year I went, I literally went home. We had some after party that was like, I walked in. I'm like, this is yeah, way too crazy for scene. me. Oh my God. I was like, I'm way too old to be here. <laughs> yeah, you There's, were. What are they? What is this music they're playing? Who are these people on stage? I literally just turned around and walked out. Yeah, that was wise. <laughs> and I think I went home and I ate like a bag of tortilla chips. So it was not a good night. It was a good night, but yeah, didn't end well. <laughs> All right, finally. Before we let you go, Molly Boz, um, actually, I have done this on the grill at whole fish. Yeah. I don't know. I'm torn about it. I think it's obviously very intimidating, but at the same time, it's very easy and kind of hands-off, and it's a nice method of cooking fish because the fish is kind of protected by its, like, skeleton Oh, you're really selling me. As far as like being, as far as like avoiding being overcooked. Sorry, it's okay. So if we're gonna do it indoors, let's say it's not it's past growing season. A, what kind of whole fish is like for a white fish guy like myself? What kind of whole fish is friendly for doing whole? And then how am I doing it indoors? So you want something that's like small enough to fit inside, let's say a cast iron skillet or a Dutch oven. Good point. So maybe it's a sea bass or a branzino or something of mm. that variety. So it's not the on the white fish flaky spectrum, somewhere actually like between very flaky white and like oily salmon fish. It would be in the middle. Yeah. And it's still like a tender white flaky flesh, but just not as sort of like fall apart as yep. like your halibut, whatever. So you want something that fits inside your skillet and I don't do this often, but you can deep fry whole fish at home. Alex Beggs seems to think it's like the easiest weeknight dinner. Alex Beggs? Yes. She like has a thing about like deep fried whole fish. But I also- Alex Beggs? Yes. When she's like hanging out in her sweatpants and- Yes. She's like deep wow. frying fish at home. That's, and like dusting it in like wonder flour or yeah. something first. I find that to be just like the ultimate like sputtering yeah, fish that's, thing. That's but I would do it in the oven and like okay. pretty high heat because again, as I said, it's- well protected by its skin and its skeleton in there. Um, and you can even like heat your sheet tray in the oven first and then throw the hot, the fish onto it hot. So it sort of like gets a sear on mm, the okay. bottom side and throw it in there and just roast it until the flesh sort of flakes away. And you stuff it with like yeah, so fennel and herbs or whatever? You'd buy the fish already cleaned, yep. which means there's a cavity right there where you could put sliced lemon, Garlic, cloves, parsley, rosemary, thyme, like literally anything that's in your crisper box. And then is this a technique I'm looking at? There's a really nice photo uh, in the magazine of a whole fish, and there's on some beautiful green sauce with some herbs. Um, that thing where they kind of slash the fish so it kind of opens up and exposes the meat a little bit? Yeah, I think that that method of slashing is actually most important if you're deep frying it because it's hitting this like very hot oil and it has a tendency to seize up. Oh, I Or if you you're grilling. Yeah. If you're just going like straight onto a sheet tray in the oven, not as important, but it does look nice. And then theoretically, when, when how do you, are we using that verb temp or whatever, how do I know when a whole fish is done? 
um, a cake tester is actually the best way, the best tool to use. And so if you insert a cake tester into the flesh of the fish, you should hit no resistance as it slides through. So it should just glide right in without hitting like any membranes because as they heat up, they sort of like melt and dissolve and it becomes soft. Did you learn that in culinary school? Um, I learned it on the line as the fish chef. Where okay. would you? Where were you the fish chef? At Pichelin. You were the fish chef at Pichelin? Yes. I was the fish chef and then there was the fish entremet who worked underneath me. Oh. Okay. Have some. <laughs> okay, folks, you can... Check out all this information in the uh, September issue of Bon Appetit, which is already off stands, but perhaps you can find it online. What do you think, Emma? She's like, for sure. Definitely. And check out those recipes we mentioned for the clam toast from Hearts, from shrimp toast. Who's shrimp toast recipe, Emma? Do you know? Yes. Best linguine with clams. Yep. Harissa roasted salmon. The cod with bell peppers. Cod with bell peppers, which is is actually a more attractive and delicious-looking dish than the name then suggests. It sounds, we got to yeah. rebrand that one. Agree. Uh, Molly Boss, thanks so much. Thanks for having me. Delaney, we are doing a drinks podcast, but I noticed that you didn't bring any drinks. Okay, I, I would like to defend myself here. Emma told me we were doing this yesterday. I'm not going to blame Emma, but Emma is partially the reason why we do not have drinks. You need more than 24 hours to four hours. To, you need more than 20. <laughs> you need more than 24 hours to mix a cocktail. Uh, you know when they're this involved? No, 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 no. I I had a lot of stuff on my plate this morning. I'm not gonna lie to you. I just finalized this list of three drinks no more than ten minutes ago. So <laughs> it's a crash course. Okay, the, the premise is this: like yesterday morning, this is September. Oh, it's October fourth right now in New York or something. Yeah. Um, yesterday was the first morning in New York where you woke up and you were like, "Oh man, I need to like put sweatpants on and a sweatshirt." Mm-hmm. There, it is genuinely like cold out there is a chill in the air yeah crisp crispness today crisp which means you're gonna switch up your cocktail game right you're gonna switch up what you're drinking a little bit you're gonna start moving towards winter yeah i don't want like nutmegs sprinkled <laughs> on my cocktail just now but i am ready to sort of get away from like the solo cups and the spritzers and the pool yes. and that whole world which i love but sure. like when it's a little nippy out there maybe there's a fire going maybe you have a uh, tweed blazer on very Ooh. possibly yes i do own a couple of those okay yeah. All right. Yeah. I, you're right. I need a, a new corduroy suit. I'm. A, you're talking to the biggest proponent of corduroy, possibly in New York City, right here. No, that's not true. The the one corduroy suit I used to have, I think it was like a Paul Smith one from years ago. The whale, which is like the little ridges, was too yeah. fine. So from four feet away, it looked like a velvet suit yep. instead of a corduroy suit. That's a dangerous game. It was not good. It's a dangerous. I'm a, I'm all about the wide whale. Yeah. I like a big whale. Like kind of uh, Robert Redford and All the President's Men. If you didn't realize, yeah. this is now a, a GQ adjunct podcast, not oh, <laughs> the yeah. BA Foodcast yeah. anymore. Yeah, check out, check out uh, what's it called? We, we need to cross-promote each other more here at Connie Nash. Yeah, um, we actually Check do. out Office Lunch. Office yes. Lunch? No, yeah, Corporate yeah. Lunch. Corporate Lunch. Corporate with Rachel and Sam. and Yeah, yeah. Corporate Lunch, GQ Pod. Lots of good fun listen, kind of like us, but talking about fashion instead of food. All right, back to drinks. You have three fall cocktails for us. Let's go. Yes. Okay. First of all, what you're saying about moving from the pool, you know, the spritzy whatever vibe, mm. part of these are going to be transitions. So the first mm. one is we've just hit peak Negroni season, right? Negroni season for me is like late August all the way through September. When you hit October, one small tweak, you take the gin out of the Negroni, you put whiskey in there, and now you have a Boulevardier. Yes. I had a Boulevardier once. <laughs> what? Oh, God. It's not a good track. No, no, it was cool. Uh, it was with Andrew Knowlton. Um, I think I did rye instead of whiskey. Yeah. 
and finish it off with a splash of club soda. Yeah, a little spritz on top. Yeah, it was quite delicious. Yeah, so for me, it's like I literally had one of these two two nights ago. Two nights ago, yeah. The Negroni, the thing you like about the Negroni, it's it's bright, it brings everything up, it's clear, it's crisp, it's not clear in color, but clear in flavor. It's sharp. With the Boulevardier, it's the flip. It's dark, it brings you down, it reminds you that maybe the leaves are turning brown. It's just layers and layers and layers of flavor. The bourbon brings a little more sweetness, a little more spice. It's just kind of a, it's more, kind of the more, transition cocktail bit, for me. Bit more of a base, base note to it. You yes. Know? So it's equal parts bourbon, Campari, and sweet vermouth. So, yes, baseline, ish. yes, ish. But every bartender will tell you, you know, it's a, a part and a quarter bourbon mm-hmm. or three quarter part uh, Campari. So like everyone kind of puts their own little yeah. play on the proportions. If you want to start baseline, go one, one, one. Finish it with orange peel and lemon peel. I'm a, I'm a fan of the two. Ooh. Okay. Yeah. So, but just the peel, not a wedge? Not a wedge, just peel. And make sure you give the little squeeze so the oils go on top of the cocktail. You get that nose and you get a little little bit of a citrusy oil flavor too. Uh, rocks? Yes. Yeah. Rocks, rock glass. You're not doing anything else besides that. Yeah, I kind of feel like a Negroni type cocktail needs the ice to sort of cut through. A, it's three parts alcohol. Um, All booze. And also the Campari and vermouth lean sweet. Yeah. Kind of syrupy, and you need something to cut that, and the, and the diluting ice helps. Totally, totally, totally. Yeah, it needs to be diluted in the glass for sure. If I drank two of these, it would be a short night for me, <laughs> being honest with you. <laughs> to be fair, I did have one before dinner, and I sat down for dinner, and I was like, all right, <laughs> we're, <laughs> we're going to go for this. Um, yeah, okay, so that's number one. And also, what's nice about ordering a Boulevardier is that you get to say- You get to say- Boulevardier. Boulevardier. Yeah, that, that's always a plus. Can we move on to number two? Yeah, so, so but again, super easy. Yeah. Equal parts if you want it. You can tweak it if you want it less sweet, this and that. Sure. Uh, Campari, sweet vermouth, and bourbon. And traditionally bourbon, but some people do mix it up and do rye yeah. if you want it a little spicier. Uh, on rocks, lemon or uh, lemon and orange twist. I like a lemon Boom. and an orange, yeah. Done. Done. All right. Easy. And also, that is a, that is a stirred cocktail. You're not shaking that. No. Yeah. Come no. on. No. no. You guys know better than that. Okay, second. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Wait, actually, wait, before we move on. Yeah. Do I need to put that in a shaker, or can I just pour all three elements over ice? You know, you could pour and all just sort three. Sort of stir it in the glass if I don't have a shaker. Just make sure you stir it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You don't want to. You don't want to like put ice in your glass and then go bam, 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 not touch it and just start drinking it. Mm-hmm. It's not going to be nice. Okay. Yeah. You want to make sure it's all cold and it's all mixed properly. Yeah. Second transition cocktail, and this is something that we ran in Bon Appetit last year that I kind of fell in love with. Molly Boz mm. developed this recipe, and it was something that. Well, I'll say Molly Boz developed the recipe. I gave some creative input on the recipe, and it's. I think we just call it the fall spritz. You're trying to say she got the credit, but she, <laughs> she did the work. <laughs> she could. I was. I was the consultant. You know, it's. It's still the chef's restaurant, but someone consults on the menu. That's all I'll say. Boz tried to take credit for my pork marbella recipe video that we did. She was saying, "Oh, it was like, really? it was, well, she was like, oh, it's a. It's a." Molly and Adam recipe, and I'm like, I don't. I'm pretty sure I came up with this recipe, <laughs> and then you might have had a little input as like you know recipe tester. But you know, I'm just saying. Anyways, <laughs> just let it let it be known. Put it on the record. Yeah. No. So for this spritz, Molly asked me. Basically, we wanted to do a, a hard cider spritz, right? Was and this for the Thanksgiving issue last year? This is year? for okay. Thanksgiving yeah. last year. So we wanted to do a spritz that instead of using you know sparkling wine, cava, prosecco, whatever. It was going to use uh, a hard cider. And, you know, fall, October, it's orchard season. You're getting out there. You're putting on your mm. flannel shirt. 
you're hitting the orchard. Maybe you're eating a donut while you're there. It's apple cider season. There's no maybe. There's no maybe about <laughs> that, it. Maybe, all right. Maybe you're eating six donuts yeah. while you're there. Um, so, so for the fall spreads, it, basically what Molly ended up with, and I love that it's super simple. It's just uh, six ounces of a Basque style cider. So Basque style cider. So it's, all right. So this, I remember when the recipe was being edited. And <laughs> I see it in book. I'm like, wait, what is like a Basque style cider. I know there's all these like hipster American hard ciders now, like good small batch ones, and like, but like, do I have to get a Basque style cider? What does that mean? Okay, so Basque style cider, uh, the Basque region is a region of Spain. It is basically cider is huge there. Any bar you go to will be pouring cider, usually from big barrels, directly from the barrel into a glass. Mm. Basque cider simplified is funkier high acid cider. So it's going to be tart. It's going to be a little kind of like barnyardy, but the acid is the big thing. It's going to be acidic, tannic, barnyardy. And the whole point with using it in this cocktail, in this spritz, is that instead of using, you know, uh, a wine that could read sweet, you're delivering a totally different flavor profile. So it's it's based on acid instead of, you know, fruit or, or um, you know, sweetness. So if I go to a well-informed wine store, can I buy an American-made Basque-style cider, or am I typically buying a cider for, actually from Spain? You you can buy an American. There's actually a, a cider maker in, uh, where are they? Up in Seattle or, uh, Seattle or Portland? One of those Northwest yeah. cool kid <laughs> cities uh, called Son of Man that makes really cool American-style Basque cider. But usually you're going to get a 7 or an $8 bottle of cider from Spain. Okay. Are there brands that we should look for that you Totally, like? totally, totally. I, my number one is Isastigi. So Ooh. I-S-A-S-T-E-G-I. Okay. It's really, it's kind of like, for me, that's the baseline. When someone's like, get Basque cider, I'm like, okay, I'm going to get a bottle of Isastigi. That's Done. That's it. Done. Um, and it's super affordable. It's like usually eight or nine bucks um, for, uh, for like a 750 milliliter bottle. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. It's, it's, yeah. And it's good stuff. It's good stuff. So that's the base of the spritz. And then... As with any spritz, you need uh, aperitivo or digestivo, and um, this is also where I consulted. Uh, landed with Averna. So hmm. Averna is a Sicilian Amaro. If you're from Sicily, you probably already know what I'm talking about, but Sicilians are very proud of Averna, and a Sicilian- That's got kind of the yellowish label. Has a yellowish label, yeah. red, uh, red kind of logo type on there. Do and, I have to use Averna, or can I use any Amaro? Mm, well- you could use any Amaro, but I would advise going with a classic Italian Amaro. Yes. Basically, the reason that Averna is great is because, one, it, it tastes like Coca-Cola. That To me, that's what it, it tastes like, caramel and Coca-Cola. But also, it's predominantly sweet. So okay. you have all this acid going on with, uh, the, with cider. the cider, and you need to balance that out in some way. Averna will bring that kind of like herbal, earthy, you know, root woodsy thing to it but mostly it's going to bring sweetness to balance it out okay so that's why you only have two ingredients the the, the cocktail is literally isastigi. oh wow yeah isastigi and averna poured over ice if you want to do a little bit of a floater of uh, soda water and brighten it up a little bit i know you're a fan of that well i, I would say two things with that um so i like this so you got the sweet the acid the autumnal flavors um i think what is nice about <clears throat> I think what is nice about the club soda option is that it allows you to sort of extend your afternoon. So if yes. it's Thanksgiving day and you're starting at 2 p.m., 
so you want you know I don't need to be hitting it that hard at 2 p.m. if I'm gonna no. if I'm not eating till 6 p.m. So yeah, maybe you want to you know don't beat yourself up. Exactly. Yeah, and take it easy. You know, okay. Ease into the night. Um, but yeah, an ounce and a half of Averna, six ounces of Isostigi, and then uh, Molly landed on an orange peel for garnish. I I think that flavor profile is great with it. A little bit of citrus again brightens it up a little bit more. Did Molly land on it or did you? Land on it? <laughs> no, Molly landed on that. All right. Again, I just consulted. Just asking. Number three. All right, number three, and this is a little bit of a deviation. Last night. It's a good name for a cocktail. The deviation? Yeah. Or a little bit of a deviation? That's a little too Small, cute. That's a little small too deviation? Cute. No, just the deviation. The deviation. Can I get a deviation? Emma's uh, nodding her head. She's like, yeah, let mm-hmm. me get a deviation. I, I, You know that I am an Amaro fanatic. I'm big into Amaro. And right when fall hits, it is the perfect time to just get a glass, a single ice cube, and pour an Amaro that you have not tried yet mm. into the glass and figure it out. See if you like it. See if you don't. I did that last night with, uh, admittedly, an Amaro that I had already tried. <laughs> but what, what, what was what was the? So last night I had a, a pour of a Forteve Marseille. Forteve mm. is a, a you know a spirits company that's in Bedsty actually, so a couple miles that way. Um, doing really cool small batch stuff. I think they make the best tomorrow on the East Coast, probably in America right now. Mm. Um, they're really, really just interesting, unique spirits. For, for the Marseille is kind of like a little bit minty, a little bit black peppery, a little bit like floral, honey. It's really well balanced. Yeah, see, some of them obviously like um, Bracamente. Some yeah. of those have, do have that minty sort of yes. undertone to it. Oh, yeah. And we featured this, correct me if I'm wrong, but that this we featured Forteve on the opening page of our October issue. Yeah. Correct? So yeah. for yeah, Forteve, we featured the red, which is their aperitif, kind of their like Campari esque okay. yeah. spirit. Um but yeah, I think they're absolutely killing it. And this it right one's now. a more darker This is a dark brown like you would you would compare this to Averna okay. as opposed to comparing it to a uh, Campari. What kind of glass and what type of ice cube? Because I know you're particular about mm-hmm. this. Okay, so ideal glass rocks glass and or a small um like maybe a little six ounce juice glass i like i kind of like that move um and then a a one inch by one inch ice cube you don't want one of those massive like two inch by two inch things you're not at the cigar and whiskey bar with your snifter and (laughs) you're not by the buddy yeah you're not uh felt pool table um yeah but one a single cube you don't want you don't want a ton of ice we always talk about that like you can i swear by those at home just the silicon ice molds that come in the one by one inch and that's if you don't have those in your house you should get them uh use them all the time you get my cocktail kingdom or wherever.com yeah um yeah the one inch by one inch perfect perfect that's literally what i used last night Mm. yeah so all right yeah drink amaro the short answer is drink amaro it's fall folks brought to you by amaro alex lanny thanks so much adam thanks for having me The Bon Appetit Foodcast is produced and edited by Emma Wartzman, with additional programming help from Carrie Polis and Elise Inamine. Our theme music is by Nathaniel Wartzman. We have new episodes every Wednesday, and if you want to reach out to us about this episode or any other episode, email us at bonappetitfoodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.